0: That was nice. Blog Talk Radio. Episode of the year here from Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, of course, always here with my special best friend, co-host, Jeff Bears. Jeff, how you doing?
1: Doing great. How much have you had to drink already tonight?
0: I haven't. I don't drink. Okay, I haven't even smoked chicken. yet either. Yeah, okay. I know. I'm just excited. Check this it. is our last show of the last show of the year. We have an outstanding guest, Jeff Marriott. And he is going to talk about his latest book in CIS, Los Angeles, called Bolt Hole, along with uh, what is it, over fifty novels Jeff has written, and just a different array of you know different TVs or movies and, and different kinds of things. It's going to be really exciting to talk with him.
1: Looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, and now just real quick for people who don't know Jeff, where did you find Jeff, and, and how did you kind of get to to know to to get him on the show?
1: Um, well, I had read his new novel, the NCIS Los Angeles book, and it's terrific. And plus, I'm familiar with him because he's written several Star Trek novels. and they've I all knew I really was
0: going to come out. <laughs> kind you of knew it. Jump for that You, knew it. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, but I did go uh, out the other day, Star and I got... Star Wars yet. Well, I did go out the other day, and I did buy the new Star Wars Rogue One book, Catalyst, and I've just started reading that, and that is the prequel to the movie, so I'm curious to see how that comes out, so I'm excited. Okay, well I'm happy for you. Good. Well let's not waste any time and let's bring on our guest right now again. His name is Jeff Marriott and he is uh you can find him at Jeff M A R I O T T E dot com is his website for all the information. So Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. How you doing?
2: Hey John, hey Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Last show of the year, that's exciting. Yeah. I appreciate you, uh, <laughs> Bringing me on.
1: Thanks for doing this. Of course.
0: Well, let's kind of you know. Everybody knows, um, of course. Well, not everybody, but I mean, uh, NCIS Los Angeles is a major show. I mean, it's been going on now for I think probably what over what ten years, maybe pretty close.
2: Yeah, I um, think they're in their ninth uh, or tenth.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you mm-hmm. know, you have Chris O'Donnell and Chris O'Donnell and um, LL Cool J star in it. and They've been there since the beginning. And you just wrote a new book called Bold Hole. Now, explain a little bit about the book and kind of how it ties into the TV show. Is it like an episode? Is it something outside? How does this kind of all work together? Well, it it could be an
2: episode, but it's got a bigger budget than an episode usually has. Um, It starts (laughs) off in Iraq, and then it comes to Los Angeles, and it goes all over the city, and there's a giant um wildfire in the Hollywood Hills. Um, there's a an object that people are looking for that's not quite a Maltese Falcon, but you know, you can think along those lines if you wanted to. Um, so it's it's a suspenseful I I like to think, um action packed with the the humor and the, the character interactions that we'd like to see between um L Cole J and Chris O'Donnell, and, um, G and Sam, and between Kenzie and Deeks, and um, you know, well, let, it has, let me ask you, Jeff everything that the show has. I think, but more of it. Well, well, Jeff, let me ask you because
1: I can't write a NCIS Los Angeles original novel. There's licensing involved, and um, how how did you end up getting this and how did the, how does all that whole process work
2: in this case i don't actually know why they came to me because right. i had oh, so well, they actually, came there, for, okay. there had only been there's only been one ncis la novel before this one um and the editor from Titan came to me one day and said, Hey, would you be interested in writing an NCIS Los Angeles book? And I said, you know, you're going to give me money for that. And she said, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I think that the fine people at CBS television licensing had something to do with it. Um, they know me, they like my work. They've recommended me for projects for years. Um, I've done some CSI novels, I've done CSI Miami, I've written CSI and CSI Miami um, comics, graphic novels, um, I wrote a criminal minds non true crime book that um, runs through the, the real story of every criminal mentioned in the first five seasons of the show and some whose crimes inspired episodes that weren't mentioned by name. And that one I know came from a CBS recommendation. I think the CSI ones came from CBS recommendation, and I'm pretty sure that this one did. Oh, and I, I wrote a CSI DVD game that came from a, a CBS recommendation. Someone says, hey, who do you think we should get to write these books? And, and they say, Married will do it. He'll do anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like life serial it
0: sounds like.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: So, were you okay? So, you said that they kind of came to you. Now, were so, you a yeah. fan of the show NCIS? I had not been
2: watching it. I had not been watching so any of the NCIS you, at that point. Came so, when me they and came then I to you, I watched some hey. episodes.
0: And so, when they said, <clears throat> Hey, we want you to write this book about NCIS, were you like, Oh shit, I better get on Netflix and binge watch this, or, or what?
2: I, I watched some episodes <clears throat> first before I responded. And discovered that I love the show which I didn't know because I hadn't been watching um, but I should have been because it's awesome um, it's just so much fun and the characters are so vivid and they were they were just a treat to write the characters because of the way they interact, the way they talk to each other so I hadn't been watching it they fixed that so that now I'm watching it I'm I'm behind on this season because I've been watching uh, the New Orleans, excuse me, the, the New Orleans show because my next NCIS book is NCIS New Orleans and it comes out in March and I just turned it in November 1st. Oh, cool. So I haven't been watching LA, but I've been DVRing it, watching New Orleans. Um, I have to balance these things out. So
0: so now I I watched a bunch
2: of shows and I I did the research and by the time I by the time I wrote the book I had sat down with the DVDs and watched just about all the episodes. I, I, there's still a few that I missed, but, but I've seen most of them.
0: That, now I have to admit that I don't really watch a lot of NCIS. I, I might have seen I don't know handful of shows. So for for someone who's a fan of the show and you wrote this book and it's been on like nine or ten seasons now, would this fit within a certain season? Because there's a lot of timeline that's going on from season one, let's just say to season ten. Is this something that is, would fit into the middle? Is it at the end? Is it at the beginning? Where do you think that this book kind of fits in where the characters are at the point of when you wrote them?
2: Um, it is toward the end of last season so it's as current as I could make it at the time that I wrote it when you do a a book based on an ongoing TV show you're always going to be a little bit behind because there's the lag time between writing it and publishing it Um, sometimes things happen in the series things are revealed maybe that you didn't know when you wrote the book that make elements of the book Seem obsolete or seem like you don't watch the show, um, but in in the case of this one and the, the New Orleans one, I did everything I could to make them as up to the minute as possible, up to the point that I had to turn it into the to the publisher. So, for instance, I was I turned in my NCIS uh, New Orleans book November first. The weekend before that, I was catching up on this season's NCIS New Orleans, so that I would know everything that had been on the air up to the point that that I had to turn the book in. So if they contradict me after that point, there's nothing I can do about it. But, but up until <laughs> then, it's it's as current as it can be.
1: Well, I, I'm curious because I hear some of these tie-in franchises have the licensees involved, say CBS in this case, they oversee things so much that you have to run everything by them from the story idea, they have to read a draft of it until they like it. And I'm wondering, in this case, it sounds like they just sort of maybe approve the story and let you go with it?
2: Um, I showed them two very brief, like, three-paragraph pitches. And they they said, these are both good, but we prefer pitch A versus pitch B. And, in fact, it was the one I preferred, too, because it was more action-oriented. And, uh, and so we went with it. I wrote a very rough outline from that pitch, and they, they approved that. And then I wrote the book and they came back with a few notes, but nothing nothing to owners um i've had I've had books with a lot more notes than that I've had some with less um, mm-hmm. I think the the worst experience or what what looked at the moment like the worst experience for a tie-in writer was when I wrote the the only licensed fiction ever published based on The Shield, the Sean Ryan show on FX.
0: I wrote a
2: a five-issue comic book miniseries for it. And I wrote uh, an outline for for the miniseries and sent it up to him. And I got notes back from someone in the production office saying, well, you have the cops committing a crime, and the cops are the good guys. And they wouldn't do that. To which my response was, "Have you seen the show that you work for? We're in the first episode. The cops kill a cop." Um, so I went over that person's head to to the um, showrunner Sean Ryan, show's creator and executive producer, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, "Jeff gets it. Let Jeff do whatever he wants." Stay out of his way. So that wow. was could have been awful, but nice. turned out to be great. And then to interview Ryan, and I got to interview Mikey Chicklis and CCH Pounder, who also is in NCAS New Orleans, as it turns out. So I get to write CCH Pounder twice. Um, oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. So that sometimes having that involvement of the people who are intimately involved with the show versus a licensing department at Fox or at CBS or whatever can be bad because they have very strong feelings about their property and how it's portrayed. And you might not see it the same way, but but sometimes, as in that case, it's, it's a plus. Right.
1: Well, I, I pick up the novels that you write and others write based on shows and franchises I'm a fan of. So I'm curious, how do you get the voice of the character so right? You said yourself to me, that you really fantasy. is yeah, yeah. That really is the oh, main,
2: the main element of craft, I guess that I'm working toward. I mean, I'm I'm trying to get the prose to be acceptable and the pacing and the plot and all that stuff, but when I'm doing a tie-in if I'm not hearing the voices characters in my head as I'm writing it or as I'm reading it then I know I'm off and I I go back to it and I go back to it and I watch some more episodes or whatever to to nail down those voices and then I I can't explain the process by which it comes but it seems to often come when I do a a tie-in it's it's one of the things that I think I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's why people keep asking me to write tie-ins. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm a fan, obviously, so yeah, cool.
2: No, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Now, now there's something else that, that you also do people are going to notice because you have a uh, collaborative partner in some of the books you write. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that?
2: Yeah, um, most recently... I've been writing with my wife, Marcy Rockwell, who is a fine author and poet in her own right. Um, we actually met through an organization called the International Association of Media Tie-In Writers. Um, oh. Because she had done some books based on the the Dungeons & Dragons, um, Eberron World, and some DDO Online stuff, Dungeons & Dragons Online. Um... So I was a member of IAMTW, International Association of Media, Italian Writers, or IAMTW.org, if people want to look it up. Um, And I was, um, for the organization, I was maintaining the member database and all the member credits and everything. And she joined, and so I got her information, and I saw that she lived in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, and I knew that there was going to be a book fair in Phoenix coming up very soon. And so when I got her information, I said, Hey, are you going to be at this book thing? Cause I was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And she said she hadn't heard of it, but she came when we met there and then we ran into each other at a couple of comms, local Arizona cons, And eventually, um, started writing together and got married, I guess, in that order. Um, our our first collaborative novel, Seven Psychos, came out from HarperCollins in March of this year and we got married in April of this year. So well, yeah, well,
0: congrats. started so writing now, first and then thank you. Is it kind of like so it's like it's like writing with your wife kinda of like being married where she's the boss and whatever she kind of says goes?
2: Um, You know, no, I I wouldn't say that, Um, even though she's not in the room. Um, (laughs) She is a a really good writer, and she's a multi-multi-award-nominated poet, and um, Mm -hmm. we write very differently. She kind of composes the sentences and the paragraphs in her head and then puts them down. And I kind of just sit at the keyboard and go. Um, so we have we have different approaches. Mm, cool. But but when we initially we come up with an outline that we feel is pretty solid, so that we can both write a chapter here, a chapter there, go back and forth, and then we go over each other's chapters, and by the time we get to a finished manuscript there are whole sections that we can look at and not remember which one of us wrote the original draft of that section because we've yeah. blended it together to be one voice instead of two competing voices. So I think it's a, it's a pretty cooperative collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Um, she might she might um Bow to my expertise sometimes, because I've written a lot more books than she has, and sometimes I'll bow to her craft because she put more thought into that sentence into the the rhythm of that sentence or the the poetry of that sentence or whatever than I did so we Perfect. we each have our strengths and and our weaknesses <clears throat> and we complement each other pretty well
1: well um when you're writing, do you prefer writing stories that you've created in your head that are original or do you prefer doing the tie-ins?
2: Probably I prefer doing original stuff. But I also prefer eating. (laughs) and, um, And therefore, if publishers want to pay me up front to do tie-in work versus writing a whole novel and then <laughs> trying to sell it and then often not being able to sell it or sell it to, you know, publish it through a small press that doesn't pay much of an in advance or something. Um, I love writing original fiction, and I will always write original fiction. But... Um, the publishing market is hard these days.
0: It's
2: tough out there. And publishers are paying less and they're buying less. And um, the the mass market, I I have been a mass market writer most of my career, but the mass market is essentially going away and being replaced in some senses by e-books that may or may not pay anything. Um, so you know I I realize that I'm making it sound like I'm only doing tie-in work for the money which is not the case I'm also doing it because you know somebody comes to me and says hey do you want to write Spider-Man or Conan or CSI you know properties that I that I love Um, or I get to I get to play in a really cool sandbox you know NCIS, L.A., great characters um, action packed situations uh, it's hard to turn down an offer to to write in a universe that's close to my heart and Absolutely. when you when you put that you know star trek you've done star trek yeah? and, uh, when they combine hey would you like to play in the sandbox with we'll write you a check for it that's that's what away from yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well since we're we're
1: we're we're you brought up Star Trek and um, that's how we oh, originally got the Trek yeah. book idea <laughs> you knew I was going to ask this <laughs> oh, shit!
0: here we go <laughs> damn it we know Trek is better I thought Trek we were going to play this with no Star Trek <laughs> <laughs>
1: John is clearly a Star Wars. Hold
0: on, beam me up, Scotty! I can beam see me the, up, baby!
1: I can hear that, <laughs> anyway. I can see it in my head. Star Wars <laughs> is
0: better. It's all right.
1: I'm just—he's um, going to ask, so I'm going to steal his thunder and just ask: um, Is there a reason why you haven't done a Star Wars novel?
2: They haven't asked me to. That—that that answers well, that. What is the matter with? What, what the hell is the matter with them? I can't tell you. Um, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know what's the matter with it. I know that Star Wars tries to be a. Well, Star Wars tries to be, I think, a little bit more elitist, and that's one thing that I'm not a big fan of. I'm just a fan of the overall arc and the world and the stories and the characters more than I was Star Trek. But, you know, I, I mean, I didn't grow up really with Star Trek. Star Trek was over right before I was born. What was it, 66 to 69? I was born in 70. I didn't um, really catch the reruns, you know. I was more yeah. in, with sports, and I did more sports stuff than I did that. So, and then when Star Wars came out in seventy-seven on the big screen, it just was the first one, and then you know,
2: right? right um, Star Trek tried
0: to follow, and they screwed up their series on their, you know, some of their movies. I mean, come on, you know, like the Journey Home or whatever that was. Really,
2: yeah. Um, <laughs> Give me a
0: break. Yeah. I mean, not that Star Wars didn't screw up. I mean, they had freaking Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, but you know, overall. So that you know, that's where I am. Not that I don't like Star Trek. I have grown a fondness of it in certain, like the Next Generation. I saw, I've watched some of that. I've watched about half of that, so you know, that was good.
2: Did you watch Deep Space Nine? I I would think you'd be a Deep Space Nine guy because of the.
0: I've not watched the darker, Deep Space Nine. Is that one that I should maybe get into?
2: As, I think so. I think there's kind yeah. of dark noir.
0: If you, you had to, okay, for someone who's not a Star Trek fan and you're going to say, all right, you know what, here's the series, which one would you tell them to start with first?
2: I think it depends on who they are and what they like. Uh, I, you know, I don't know you that well, but I've read your magazine.
0: So let's say, so a, let's say a Star Wars fan like myself. You so would,
2: say would say to do say, what? I would say try Dark Space... Dark, oh, I can say it. Deep Space Nine. I would, there, there's there's I, I I would agree. I
1: think he would like it. Um, so, I, I, a real quick question here for you, Jeff. Yeah, do just uh, so hypothetically, is there a franchise, and this doesn't have to be one that exists as available to write as a novel but is there a particular show that you would love to write a novel in that particular oh, yeah. universe oh,
2: yeah. but you haven't been That's,
1: able to? or What was that?
2: Uh, there's there's multiple ones that I would love to write. Um, shows that are long off the air. Um, it Takes a Thief, and from U.N.C.L.E. I would love to write those. I would love to write oh. that original Doctor Strange novel. You know, I do a lot of horror and dark magic stuff and I'd love to do Dr. Strange I'd love to do Batman uh, Daredevil Now are you
0: more Marvel than DC?
2: No I was actually an editor for DC for years um,
0: Okay
2: I, I grew up with Batman I had a, the only comic I've yeah. ever subscribed to was Detective Comics featuring Batman
0: um, Yep Batman my favorite because, I'm DC guy Batman all the way
2: Yeah Yeah And yeah. Uh, and then I, I I worked for Wildstorm Productions, which was part of Image Comics at the time, and then was bought by DC Comics, and I became a DC employee, and I was happy to be on the DC Comp list. Um, And, you know, surrounded by Batman and Superman, and I have written Superman novels. Um, Actually, I wrote a novel that starred Superman, but they the idea of the novels was give us one of the main three characters, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and then give us additional characters from the DC universe who don't get all the attention. So I wrote my Superman novel called Trail of Time um, about all the magic-using characters in the universe. So it was kind of a mm-hmm. semi-horror novel, but also all the Western characters. So I had Superman and and the gang go back in time to the old West and um, Jonah Hex is in it. And, um, cool. Bad Lash and all those kinds. Yeah.
0: I, okay, yeah. cool. Well, Jeff, I'll tell you what, it has been fascinating to talk with you and just to kind of hear how you're kind of immersed in, you know, several worlds. I mean, most authors are immersed like in one world with their one character, but, you know, you're you're much different because you're immersed in so many different worlds. I mean, your, your array of books is, you know, far vast. And, um, you know, most authors, like I said, most authors are just in their own little world, their own little series, their own little characters. And, you know, you, uh, you go far beyond that. So I want to thank you so much for coming on and kind of sharing a little bit of that with us. I,
2: I guess I'm easily bored, so I jump around from... Book to book and, and character to character, and it. maybe it's been bad for my career because it's hard for someone to follow. From okay, this guy wrote a Star Trek book. I like that. What's next? Well, oh, NCIS Los Angeles. That's not the same thing. But um, but
0: you know, I but good like writing is good I write, writing. Oh, I, I yeah, it excellent. I mean, and if people like your writing, they should you know follow and see what you get because you're going to give them great writing, and they should just kind of trust it, whether or not they watch the show or not. Just kind of pick I up a so. Los Angeles bolt hole. Trust it.
2: From from your lips to their ears.
0: There you go. So thanks <laughs> and I'm again, looking forward man, to your so New, new or Orleans. For you know, it. On. Yeah, looking forward. Yeah, we'll see that one. So, um, yeah, again, just March. thanks so much for coming on. And hey. have a great holiday.
2: You have too. Have new Year. Thank, you guys for, thank you guys for having me on. It's terrific.
0: Thank it's you. All right. All right. You have and a good one.
2: Happy holidays to you guys.
0: All, all right. Bye right. bye, Jeff.
2: Thank you. Right.
0: Bye bye. So again everybody, that is Jeff Marriott, and you can find him at Jeff M A R I O T T E dot com for more information, not only on this latest book, N C I S Los Angeles Bolt Hole, but then of course all the stuff that he has between the comics and the fiction and, and the worlds that he is uh immersed into. So Jeff definitely has a wide variety, so Thanks, Jeff, for getting him on with us and talking to us.
1: Well, in all honesty, if you're a fan of the particular thing he's writing, you know he's going to get the voices right, and it's going to be a fun story. It's honest truth. Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, it would be cool to kind of see him, like, you know, jump into the Star Wars or, like, you know, I like World of Warcraft. You know, those are kind of my worlds. Um, You know, the one thing that that I've always wanted to see, and I'm just going to talk about this for, for just a second, is, there hasn't been a lot of okay books outside comic books. So, like a Batman book. Now I know that there's a couple, and I've seen, and and uh, one of them got really crappy reviews, so I didn't spend the money to buy it. Um, and I, I, I you're I talking about novels. Yes, you're talking about novels based novels on outside okay. Of the comics. Yeah, Batman mm-hmm. had like one or two. But they don't have a lot of that. You know, there's not a lot of that out there. It's always comics. But why couldn't you do, you know, uh, a Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, just a regular book?
1: Um, I know Pocket Books had the franchise for the Marvel for a while. And there were several novels. And some of them were pretty good. Fantastic Four, Spider-Man. You know, there was, even you know, I think, an Iron Man novel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they don't seem to be doing that much.
0: No, I mean, they don't, it's like graphic, you know, everything is like a graphic novel, and I know that the art has something to do, but, you know, when people, and people laugh, and they're like, oh, a comic book, that's not reading, and I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, there's some great art, and it's not like full page worth of words, but don't tell me it's not reading, and don't tell me that it's not a story, because, there's some fascinating stories, and if you just go to the movies, guess who's going to probably be number one when it comes out? Oh, yeah, the next superhero movie. Um, you, know, it's true. you know, Doctor Strange was absolutely fantastic.
1: That movie was so much better than I had imagined it was going to be. It was really
0: good. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of great things that, that they could do. Um, I'm trying to find the name of that damn book, and I can't find the name of it. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll look around. But um, So we were going to kind of, you know, we kind of talked about what we were going to do. Oh, Wayne of Gotham. Tracy Hickman wrote it. <clears throat> that was, well, that was okay. one of the paperback books. Yeah, so – that's the last one I kind of remember, actually. That came out in 2012, and I haven't seen. Maybe, you know, maybe people who just, maybe they don't want to see that kind of stuff. I don't know. I just think it would be kind of cool to kind of see that more. Um, oh, this is the one that I think it was. It was um, Batman Dead White. That got really bad reviews on 2016. Ooh, ooh. Don't want to, you know. Could be good, but maybe not. Or maybe there's more than I know of. Maybe there is more out there. I don't know. I'm looking around here now, and I see more. So who knows? <clears throat> but
1: <laughs> uh, I, I do know I've seen them in the past. I don't know if they're writing them now, but um, yeah, and some, like I said, some of them I've enjoyed and some others not so much, but it's fun.
0: It's yes. nice. You like
1: these characters. You
0: know, Let me read about them. And when you buy a video game, the one thing that you notice, too, if you actually watch is, guess what? There's a storyline that goes on with this. <laughs> you know, even the Batman Arkham Asylum game um, that I think I know your son played one time right. when I was out there, and I remember, uh-huh. there's a storyline. There, there's an actual storyline that goes on with it. I mean, it's not just about going through and getting to the end of winning. I mean, there's a storyline that you read with it that, that goes on, that you, you know kind of immerse yourself into that. So I don't know. I yeah, and someone my, like Jeff my, had to write it, too, which is kind of cool. Exactly. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit uh, here at our last show just about what books – do you have like three – because we're starting to put together our best of issue. And, you know, we have our Crimson Strive Award winner, which it's going hard, man. It's not easy picking these things. You know, we're going to get down to some, and then we're going to bring you in. We're going to have to bring you in. We're going to have to get on the phone. We're going to have to talk with you. We're going to have to – we got a lot of votes. When I put the newsletter and stuff out for people to vote, man, we got hammered with votes. We got a lot to go through this year. So, yeah, it's going to oh, be Oh, that's tough. fantastic. It's going to be the news. best we to hear. Now, do you have like three or four books that you think should maybe be up for that Crimson Scribe Award?
1: I do. Um,
0: really? Yeah. Oh, and, and, you know, I can give you my you, – well, here's my top
1: three. Okay. And, uh, In no Hank particular Ryan, order. No particular order. Hank Philpy Ryan's Say No More. I absolutely love her writing.
0: Okay. Hey, um, and Hank sometimes and listens it, to the show, so she would like that.
1: I, I think she would like me shouting out how much I like this book. Um, yeah, because she's a, she's a journalist, and... She has to tell a story every day in her day job and she knows how to tell a story. She really does. And the characters yeah. she writes about are terrific too. So that's one. Um David Morrell's Ruler of the Night is another.
0: Oh, now, you've yeah. read that. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 Um I will be honest with the listeners here. Um I read that book while I was sitting in a hospital room waiting to uh, find out how my mom was doing. And considering how distracted I was... Do you hear that? Was... Hmm?
0: Do you hear like some reverb on the bond your end? Oh, no, I don't. Sorry. sorry.
1: Okay, go uh, ahead. Sorry. Anyway, c- considering how distracted I was and how mm-hmm. worried I was and everything else, actually picking up a book and being able to read it and be transported to Victorian London... It was an amazing experience. It totally took forget. me away from everything I was doing, and that's what a great book does. And this book did
0: it. Yeah. Nice. Morrell's amazing. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Uh,
1: my my third one is Steve Hamilton's Second Life of Nick Mason. I absolutely oh. love it. We had Steve on earlier this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a really clever story idea with you know the man who's got a life sentence in prison and given an opportunity to walk out of there and he's <laughs> handed a phone and uh, that's it it's kind of cool
0: now and I, I got, i'm
1: looking forward to more in that series what are yours
0: now i got a couple here um <laughs> And it's what, and again, and and this just kind of came out because I kind of and, uh, it's just kind of maybe maybe in the order of how I read it, but and and I told him that I feel sorry for his cover, but the book was great, and that was Jeffrey Deaver's The Steel Kiss. That was a great book, terrible cover. You're absolutely one. right. <laughs> terrible. Cover. He's not going to win for cover of the year. Let's put it that way. But book oh my of the God. year. That's what <laughs> matters. It's not only remember. Don't judge a book by its cover. Um, judge it by what's inside <laughs> yes. another one I'm going to give you which you know I mean she's not a household name because I don't hear a lot of people talk about her but she did write and and I don't think I've ever heard you talk about her but she did write a fantastic book again that came out earlier this year and it was called The Passenger by Lisa Lutz
1: interesting
0: yeah <clears throat> I thought that okay. was a really good book. I thought that was a really good book, um, and we've gotten some votes for that one too. So I'm giving you some of the well.
1: What we could ask about? What you think
0: of the ending? But anyway, I'm digressing. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the other ones that, and it's kind of new, and I was trying to get her trying, 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 very hard to get her interviewed and we just couldn't connect. We got on the phone once, she had to go and this and that, but Tana French and the trespasser. Um, oh. You know, Tanya always is always good. Absolutely. And, yeah, and that's, and that's another one. And, the, you know, she's, she's not from the United States, so I don't know how well... People in the United States know her. I, you know, I don't know. I always, it's very difficult to gauge for me when I'm thinking about like, okay, like I know Karen Slaughter's big over here, and she's good in Europe. I know Steve Berry's big here. He couldn't catch a cold in Europe. Um, I know Peter James is massive in Europe. He can't catch a cold in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how big Tanya is over here in the United States. I know she's big in Europe, but I'm not sure how big she is here. I mean, do you have any idea?
1: Well, I do know that um, she has some diehard fans who tell me, "Hey, she's got a new book, and they just love her stuff.
0: yeah, yeah. but the reason so, kind yeah. of now <clears throat> the kind of the, the reason why I kind of picked. And these are just three of mine. And again, I'm really only one vote. I mean, people might think, oh, well, you know, you're going to give stuff away. No, I'm really only like one vote. I mean, it doesn't, we don't sit down and just say, oh, this is the way it is. And I'm just going to pick and we just do. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, I get one vote too. That's how it works. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of what we have. So, you know, democracy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Deaver's Lincoln rhyme. So it was kind of a series and that you're going to be like, wow, John will with a series. Um, but there's something about when Jeffrey writes that just, it's like, you know, and your three are, are up there in there, too. I mean, you can't say anything bad about, you know, David or, or Steve or, the, you know, anybody. But I've tried to go a little bit outside of the norm, too, I think, with Tanya and Lisa, which was a little bit outside of the normal cookie cutter suspense i mean i've gotten a little tired really of the suspense thriller that's why i've kind of jumped into the star wars got to kind of cleanse myself a little bit because i mean how many times you know you review what how many books a year 100 at least yeah so i mean i read how about many 200 yeah. yeah so how many how many you know out of out of those 200 books that you do how many of them do you think are just like Wow, it's kind of like the same story, different characters, kind of the same story. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah, no, you absolutely get that. Is it like, and 80%, how many times can I use the 90%? same words to describe them?
0: Yeah. It's well, like I wouldn't 80%. say it's that much, but <clears throat> boy. But, when, um, but you know it. Tough. But you know when you get that one book and you're like, holy shit, I found the one that just took me out. Like when you said with like Matthew O'Reilly and his action scenes and hmm. you know, different authors like that, you find that thing and you're like, oh my God, I found, I found the outside-the-box guy. I found the outside-the-box book. You know what I mean? You just know it when you see yep. it. And, and people might complain and say, oh, well, Jeffrey Deaver's not outside the box. But you've got to read this one, and you might change your mind about the characters. On this one, so what yeah, say about
1: that? i I like that that's the nice best way of putting it
0: yeah um you know it's kind of the same thing, you know, Ruler of the Night with David Morell is the third of his uh unplanned trilogy, I guess you want to say I don't think he, we talked with david i don't he didn't plan to do three of these um he just couldn't get out of the world. he just couldn't leave, he couldn't leave until till the, the stories were were, were told. And if you guys have not read Murder as a Fine Art, um, oh, shit. Then the Rule of the Night was the third one. What was the second one? Uh, oh, Murder as a Fine uh, you got to remember Dead. the second one. Inspector Thank of you. the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you get books. So you read this trilogy, Murder <laughs> as a Fine Art, Inspector of the Dead, and Ruler of the Night, and you'll be like, David should write more you know, Thomas De Quincey books, but this is it. This is all you're going to get. So you're going to get about 1,000 pages, and this is what it is. But that's, that's David, man. That's what he does. He's, um, John well, Land and every book of his he goes, is so different. That's what John Land said. He goes, David Rell is one of the only thriller writers that never writes the same book twice. Yep. And never the same book twice. It's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, <laughs> creator of Rambo, can't say much bad about that. <laughs> so, but that's kind of where we're at now, and we're gonna have there's gonna be like a special double issue. We were gonna try to put out a November one and then a December one, but what we decided to do was we just said screw it, and we're just gonna put like instead of you know the normal 90 pages, it's gonna be like 160 pages of just everything into this thing. Um, so you're gonna have the best of. you are gonna, I mean, we got interviews in there from. God, who do I got all in there? I mean, I got Peter James in there. I got Marcia Clark in there. Um, Patricia Cornwell might be in there. I got Laurel K. Hamilton's going to be in there. Uh, We got Christine Golden's going to be in there. Christine Golden is kind of like Jeff, um, where she does a lot of World of Warcraft. She does Star Wars. She does some other stuff. um, And she just did the latest The Assassin's Creed book. Trivia question for you. Laurel K.
1: Hamilton's first book, what was
0: it? It was a Star Trek book Yes it was I don't I don't know the name but I know it was a Star Trek book I know Believe me when I was looking at the interview I saw that I was like I'm not asking that question Because Jeff will just be like eh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah It was I funny know, when I interviewed I her for my
1: book She was like you only want to know about my Star Trek book
0: <laughs> like, yeah. You're like that's all I want to write
1: That's, that's, yeah, that's, so, what, I'm, that's what I'm talking to you about
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I mean we have I mean we got some massive Massive interview authors in there And uh, then we're going to have our You know, best of issue included in there too So you're going to see a bunch of bunch of Stuff going in this issue This is probably going to be the largest issue We've ever created um, In like the last What, seven, eight years we've been doing this? Shit This will be probably our largest issue ever That's great and yeah, I might and have and a short story the in there. <clears throat> yeah, you might. We're trying to see mm-hmm. I don't know, we got to get with the, you're going to have to email the creative director and ask her. I <laughs> will <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah. I would ask her, but it's more fun if you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, but you know, Christmas is coming up. Do you have the one you know, do you have the one thing that's that that you're looking to get for Christmas is there like a game is there is there you know I'm always going to say a book but I can't imagine anybody buying you a book um, is is there anything that you're going to like looking you know looking to get
1: um you know honestly no um no. It's, I'm just looking forward to some nice quiet time with the family yeah. That's it you guys going to stay home it's, Gonna stay home. Um, gonna light up the tree and just sit and enjoy.
0: Nice. Do you have a lot of people come over, or is it just kind of you guys just you guys just together?
1: Uh, a media family and a couple friends, but yeah, it's
0: oh, it's cool.
1: it's somewhat intimate, which is nice. That's cool. And I have to yeah, tell you, just the same thing. in Christmas lights and stuff, it just just makes my heart melt. I love it. Yeah. well, and its, it's I'll
0: ask good. you that same question. You know what I'm looking for? You know, I kind of look forward to the same thing, the quietness and the family time and the food. I love the food. Um, but the one thing that I kind of asked for, I said, hey, you know what, kids, why don't you do us a favor? Why don't you take the, the cat and the dog and yourselves and get the hell out of here for a weekend and give, give, and give, give the wife and I a weekend of nothing but just us and that's and that's our present. <laughs> so nice. we'll see if my wish comes true. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, um yeah, you cool. know, we got a well, grandkid let... coming. So yeah.
1: Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Congrats there.
0: Yeah, so we got a grandkid coming, so a lot of the stuff will be, you know, for the grandkid. But <laughs> it came fast, doesn't it? another one here. I mean, all of a sudden, you sit there, and you're like, shit, here comes another Christmas. It's like, I just thought I just had a Christmas. I thought, wasn't wasn't it just 90 degrees in summertime, and now all of a sudden, it's dark at 5.15? <laughs> wow. That, um,
1: yeah, it's actually darker earlier where I am, so.
0: but yes. Yeah, you're like right before 5, aren't you?
1: Pretty much, yeah. You go to work in the dark, you come home in the
0: dark. Yeah, I get to work and it's and it starts getting light, like about six thirty, and then, um, yeah, five ten, it's it's that's it, it's done, it's pitch black. Yeah, it always
1: feels so much later than it sh- actually is.
0: Yeah, but you're more north than me. But in the summertime, you guys like have the sun till like midnight.
1: That's not true.
0: <laughs> That'd oh, be nice, 11, but no. 15. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's cool.
1: Um, so I. Here's a Star Wars question for you, since this is the last episode of the year. Why is it that this new Star Wars movie that's coming out next month is not generating the level of excitement that it should be? I offered to get advance tickets for friends
0: and family and, like, Hmm. I don't know. You know why? I'll tell you why. It's very easy. There's no Luke, what? there's no Leia, there's no Han, there's no Chewbacca, there's no R2-D2, or, or C. maybe there is, there's or c 3 po But there's not going to be the Force. It's going to be characters. The problem is, is it's characters on here. Nobody knows. So everybody's kind of like, eh, you know, it's cool, I guess, whatever. But it's characters that no one knows. And so therefore, they're like, eh, okay. But I'm actually quite refreshed that there is no Luke, there's no Han, there's no Leia, there's no Chewbacca, there's no Yoda, you know, there's none of that. I mean, you're going to see Darth Vader for a little bit, but I don't know for how long. I don't know if the Emperor is going to show up or for how long. Um, But people have to remember that there's a whole other world besides Luke and the Jedi and Han and Chewbacca and Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett. There's a whole other world. And I think that that one line in Star Wars, when she says, when that lady sits there and says, hey, you know, a lot of people died to bring us this information. Don't you want to see that story? Don't you want to see how that happened? Because you're talking, what, a couple weeks, maybe a month before, at the most, before Luke, I mean, Luke's already around before they blow up the Death Star? Yeah, I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi's alive. Yeah, that's a, well, yeah, it's true, because it'll you know, all take place around that same time frame. You know, so you might hear snippets of people talking about these people, of this and that. You might not actually see them, but isn't that a cool story to just kind of see, you know, how these things kind of take place, how they're able to... Get these plans to get to the Death Star, to blow this thing up, and to do that stuff. See, I think that that's fascinating. I don't always need to see Luke and Leia and that, because there's so much more to the world. you know. Well, there's see, so and much I more to kinda,
1: it. I have to disagree, because mm. as a prequel, I already know the outcome. So yeah, it's new characters and everything. Sure, but you
0: knew the outcome of Phantom Menace all the way through Revenge of the Sith. You knew he, you knew Luke and Leia were were the were the were the kids. You knew he turned into Vader. Right. You knew Palpatine but, was was the Emperor.
1: But yeah, but let's but talk about movies that were
0: actually good. Oh shit! <laughs> Don't get me started. Put it this way: I'm going to say this. Now you got to, and, and I'll be honest. If Jar Jar Binks was never in any of them, what would you think of the movies? Just the stories alone without him.
1: Um, if you took him out of the first movie, I would say there were some great set pieces in it that were fun. But it was hard to believe. The second one <clears throat> had the romance so much that it was kind of sickening. Right, and the but third it had movie to was- be... It it was poorly acted. And then the third one, I really liked it until the
0: absolute end. Well, yeah, Vader's first words were kind of like, no, you know, I get that. Okay, I get that. That that ruined the whole thing for me. But the movie itself, I mean, dude, you see him going into the Jedi Tower and killing little kids. I mean, you see his ruthlessness starting in that point. You see the whole lead-up to that point. I mean – You know, people can say, oh, the Phantom Menace, and they always just say, oh, George R. Briggs. But the story was still cool. I do wish Darth Maul was a little bit more involved. Got it? I mean, I do. That would have have been fantastic. Yeah, but I think that what Lucas and them was trying to do was to just basically show, the. you know, they just wanted to just, I mean, this was Vader's story is what it was. This was all about Vader and his story of how he became. That's all this was. And kind of the setup into the Senate and the Republic and the split into the Empire, but dude, come on! In the second one, you saw Boba Fett. You saw that you you know yeah. you you hear the music, you see the end when he's looking at his clone army, and you see the and you see the ships, and you see the stuff, and you're like, oh my God! I mean, Attack of the Clones was fascinating because, I mean, at the end of that movie, dude, you're like, holy shit, there's the Empire. You're hearing the music. Don't tell me you didn't get goosebumps when you heard that music for the first time and he's standing there looking at his clone army and you see those, those Imperial Star Troop, you know, destroyers and you see all that and you have the type of, you're like, this is where it all began. This is how it if began. You t- if you took out
1: Hayden Christensen Dude, you saw Yoda fighting with Portman. a lightsaber! You took those two out, the movie would have been
0: fun. But you had to have that in there because he had to. It it was the reason of how his mind got totally fractured, of how he was able to go to the dark side so (laughs) easily because of his love to thinking that he could resurrect, and he was kind of, you know, warped into that. But there had to have been a reason why. I mean,. There, you know, they're really, that's what, that was the poor part of Return of the Jedi. There was never a point when you thought that Luke was ever going to, because, what, his rage? Oh, so he strikes down the Emperor and he becomes Vader? No, because it was a totally different scenario on how Vader became Vader. I mean, his heart and everything was totally blackened by this. But Luke, that never happened. He, wasn't, he didn't have the pull. To that thing So it was I think that was A lot more poorly done I'm just saying I think that was A lot more unbelievable Return of the Jedi Was my least favorite movie Because that was The most unbelievable movie That there was Don't well, tell me Ewoks. that And that ruined
1: yeah. it itself
0: so. Dude Not only that Yeah So you got Ewoks And you got George Jar The Ewoks set up The most elaborate Booby trap system In the history of movies In 30 fucking minutes <laughs> I mean really yeah. I mean, well, 3PO is your god? See, freaking 3 B O is your god. Really? That's who you worshipped?
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, Jar so, uh, right? huh? Jar Binks did give the Emperor the Galaxy, right? Huh? And Jar Jar Binks did give the Emperor the Galaxy in the second movie. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So.
0: Got to give him credit he, for that. He, right. Right, so <laughs> in so that's why in I the think last couple of minutes that, I'm here. Just saying, yeah, I think but I but you, but to answer your question again, I think that's why, because there is none of those characters that everybody knows in the first in, in the seven movies, basically the seven movies, so I think that's probably why there's not as much buzz because they don't know anybody, no one knows any of these characters
1: i, I just hope it's a great story, I really do, I, I think it's going to be fascinating
0: it. I I hope it is. Um,
1: So real quick here, because I know we've got a couple minutes, best picture of the year that you've seen so far, what is it?
0: I'm probably going to forget, so I'm going to probably have to go with one of the ones that (sighs) I just recently saw. I mean, Doctor Strange was really freaking good. Um, What do you got? Arrival. Oh, I, that, <laughs> I didn't see that one. Didn't I, did that just come out? Yeah,
1: it did. Um it's Amy Adams and it's the first contact with alien <sighs> beings and Jeremy Renner's in it. Oh. Um uh, my daughter has a theory about Jeremy Renner that um he's hawkeye in the Avengers movies. He's also right. a character in the Mission Impossible movies. She believes he's playing he's essentially the same person jumping franchises. Uh-huh. And that it really could be the same person in all of them.
0: <laughs> I kind of, I kind well, of. and then so he was there. also, well, and then he was also Jason Bourne, or in the Bourne movie. That's right. That's right.
1: But but anyway, Arrival is um, this amazing and wonderful film yeah. that is not what you think it's about.
0: Oh. Yeah. so, nice. if uh, people
1: yeah. were on the fence going to see it, I recommend seeing it.
0: Well, let's end on that note. And cool. let's, um, January 10th will be our next Beyond the Cover. We don't have a guest yet, but we'll get one. And we'll talk well, we'll, about it. We'll, 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 we'll have a good one. We'll have a good one. I got some people in mind. We'll see if we can get them. And then um, we will go ahead and uh, kind of maybe uh, do a little preview of what stuff we may be seeing coming out in 2017. and Talk about that and talk about other shit and just have some fun.
1: That sounds terrific.
0: Yeah. So, Jeff, always a pleasure, my man. Have a great holiday. Of course, we'll be talking. Um, And everybody else out there, have a great, happy, safe holiday. Make sure you never drink and drive, ever, ever, ever. And um, stay safe and stay close. We will see you all January 10th.
1: May all your wishes come true.
0: Yes. That's a good one. And even if they don't come true, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. My shit never comes <laughs> true. And I'm still very happy. <laughs> so, that's a good next time, everybody. Keep reading. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Happy New Year.